sin is no longer your master. Instead, you are free by God's grace. Welcome to Set the Captives Free Ministries, providing Christ-centered solutions to the bewildered believer and demonstrating the power of God through evangelism. Today is the first guest interview of 2018, and it's very exciting um, because this uh, our today's guest has uh, he's been kind of a he's been like a like a background encouragement for for the team uh, all throughout uh, a good portion of 2017, and so um, and it's also really cool because. Uh, my my ministry sparring partner uh, and troublemaking evangelist Jim Harold will be will be joining me. Um, so Jim, welcome. Yep. Uh, uh, thank you, then, Willie. I have been looking forward to this interview. Uh, yeah, it, Jerry. It's... I have we Jerry and I have known each other uh, probably for four years now on the internet without actually having uh, spoken to one another, and yep. it's Jerry. It it is an honor to be able to finally uh to be able to sit down and, and uh, talk with you yeah welcome jerry yeah yeah jerry brinkman is um uh, he is the founder of bereannation.com and author of practical discipleship uh it's an it's a, a very nice book i'm looking forward to reading very soon uh if i if i can get my hands on it <laughs> that's a that's a hint that's a hint to see if i can get a free book do you pick up on that <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Okay, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, very, 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 very good material. Um, excellent for uh, very edifying uh, with with the Berean Nation website and just the concept of the Bereans. You know, always you know, like you know, to, to say you're a Berean is something that you know it, it's very serious. So to be able to say that and, and pull it off is very, very good. Um, but yes, but it's really great to have you on the show, Jerry. Well, the honor is mine, guys. I, I appreciate being the first guest of 2018. Thanks very much. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Well, listen, um, as, we, as we discussed, I'm feeling a little under the weather. And for my listeners, I'll try to be professional about it by using the mute button. But if I miss and you hear a cough, that's me. And I apologize uh, you know, up front for it. Um, but, uh, Jerry, um, now... Um, how long have you been a, a, a Christian? Well, um, a <laughs> bit of a loaded question, I suppose. <laughs> uh, if I were to give you my mom's answer, uh, I've been a Christian all my life because I was born in a Christian country, that being Canada. Right. Uh, if you want the right answer, <laughs> in other words, not everything your mother says is correct. Uh, no, I say what? No, <laughs> completely wrecked my life been... here. <laughs> ah. Well, uh, unless your mother is actually a born Christian who fellowships in a great place and with the Lord every day, um, and mine did not, and probably still doesn't. Uh, you know, she, uh, she's well. I've been a Christian since June eighteenth. 1985, 8.02 Central Standard Time, I can tell you where I was sitting within about three square feet. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was actually at work. I was actually at work. Um, the only reason I know the time is because there was a big time clock sit in front, sitting on the security desk uh, where I was a security guard on a construction site in, in my hometown. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, over a week or so, I had been chatting with uh, kind of an interesting story. He's a charismatic fella. His name was Greg. Uh, I have not seen or spoke with him since, but no kidding. Uh, he shared with me the need to be born again and the need to have my sins uh, taken away or paid for by Jesus Christ. And that kind of, what do you mean I need to have sins paid for? I didn't think that I was particularly a bad person and uh, all of that stuff. And, you know, we talked over the week and, you know, I could tell some of the things that I said just really didn't line up with the scriptures. And he actually opened his Bible up and he showed me where, no, no, this is a violation of God's standard. And at the end of the week, he had me convinced, yep, that's me. I'm a terrible sinner and I'm going to go to hell. 
And I really didn't want that to happen. And I didn't know what to do. So he gave me a tract. And we were both at work. He was in one spot and I was at another spot. He was an electrician. And it was my turn to do duty at the guard gate. And in the evening, it's actually pretty dead there because the deliveries are all during the day. And right. midnight shift is where all the really interesting, weird, bad stuff happens. <laughs> so, you know, I'm on the evening shift. I'm, I'm kind of, I got lots of time on my hands if I'm doing guard duty at the gate. Nobody comes in or out. So I read this tract. And it had in it one of these little sample prayers. You, you know the kind, right? Yeah. Right. Lord, please forgive me for my sins, etc. You know, the kind that you're supposed to get people to sign at something. You know, I, I read that prayer out loud word for word. Yeah. But I think the, th- the thing that made the difference for me was I meant every word of it. Oh. I, needed, I, needed, I needed forgiveness for my sins. I knew what that and I wasn't happy about them. And when I prayed, it's difficult for me to explain what happened next because I was filled with joy on a stick, <laughs> like you could make it a popsicle or something. Uh, a joysicle, right. there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and uh, it, it's... Uh, the weight of the world came off my shoulders. I literally felt 500 pounds lighter. And in those days, yeah. I weighed about 160 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like now. <laughs> but, yeah, that that's how I got saved. So, Wow. Yeah. You know, that brings me back to uh, my, uh, uh, my salvation experience, too. Um, I was finally convinced that I, I needed saving. And what a what a a wonderful work of mercy of God because I was Amen. a Pharisee. And to oh. have him convince me that I my destiny was hell, what a work of mystery. And I'm telling you, I it terrified me. But thank God for that. Yeah. Amen. Now, Amen. Now when you became born again, did what type of fruit did you see? Did you see fruit right away or? I did. I did. Uh, you know, it's an interesting story and it's, it's, you have to know me a little bit better. Uh, I won't go into all the details of it, but uh, I was maybe three minutes old in the Lord. And mm-hmm. I had to, as we have to from time to time, use the washroom. You have to understand, I'm an 18 year old guy. And I have all the normal drives of a senior in high school when it comes to the mm-hmm. opposite sex. And there were some cute ones that were cleaners, and they were all kind of flirty. And uh, on the way into the washroom, she was coming out because she had been cleaning it. And uh, she volunteered to hold it for me. Hmm. You don't understand wow. what she she offered me. Yeah, no, we 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 understand perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the very let the, thing. Let the listener understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose she she uh, she offered me the very thing I had wanted so badly for so long, wow. and I looked her in the eyes and I just simply said, "No thanks, I got this one." Wow! And her jaw hit the floor. And the door closed, and that's the last I saw of her for the day. <laughs> wow. It's immediate Praise God because, for that. Uh, because the old Jerry would have said, oh, come along, dear. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, no, I was changed. I know uh-huh. I was changed. Praise God. Yeah. That's great. You know, having uh, immediate fruit like that. Uh, just a tremendous, uh, I mean, you know, stuff like that, especially being a guy. Yeah. Um, you know, an 18 year old guy with, with the, you know, I, I wasn't, I was, you know, I don't know. I was the most handsome, I kid so that, planet, but I, I wasn't bad looking, <laughs> you know, but it's just so. like, it's just like John, uh, John's interview, uh, with his testimony. Um, you know, the temptation didn't go away, but he was given the ability to say no. Yeah. 
you know that that's yeah. that's the the incredible thing like that's that's something where you know you can you can tell it's the power of God unto salvation when something you couldn't previously say no to right. now you can yeah well that, and that's the thing I wouldn't have wanted to mm-hmm. and here I just I I knew what she was offering me I knew it was wrong and I didn't want to displease my <laughs> heavenly Father. And that's the exact thought process that my brain had, only it was split second. So there it was. And and it's kind of funny. I told Greg about that a little later in the evening, and he, he was in awe. He said, you've really been saved by the Lord. And, you know, he, he introduced me to a couple of guys who, God bless them, tried to disciple me. Wild man that I was. <laughs> you know, uh, not 18 and severe, uh, severely calmer now, but... Yeah, one of them was a commercial fisherman, ironically. <laughs> His name wasn't Peter, though. It was David. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, uh, uh, another, uh, he introduced me to the pastor of the church, Reverend Naring, uh, a very godly man, I might say. Pentecostal, but a, a very godly man. Um, and his, uh, his son, Evan, uh, was actually my high school valedictorian when we graduated. And that was later that year. Um, and, uh, another fellow by the name of Brian Dunford, I'm still in contact with Brian. Brian is the guy who really tried to disciple me. He lived right next door to the high school. I think he suspected that I had more rough life than I admitted to most people. And, you know, he said, listen, if you got to come hang out for a while, if you just want a quiet place to do your homework, if you just want to talk about the scriptures, if you want to listen to Christian music and get away from the madness, uh, you know, you can come. And I, I, I took him up on that on a couple of occasions. I, I was absolutely beside myself one day, and uh, he managed to calm me down and, uh, you know, let me know that there were some important things. Those important things were... Uh, let me see, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, uh, reading the Word of God, that's mm-hmm. kind of important. You know, we say we say the Bible's the Word of God, do you know what it says? That was his question to me. And, uh, you know, fellowship with God and with other believers, that that's important stuff. Um, yeah, that's some, that's some really good counsel, you know, yeah. the breaking of bread. That, that speaks of worship. <coughs> You know, it's a specific ordinance of worship in the New Testament, and we're supposed to do it till Jesus comes back. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not making apologies uh, for my theology and my hermeneutics here because I am not uh, one of these guys that believes the scriptures is all just poetry. I think, you know, he said he's coming back. He's coming back. Right. There's nothing uh, extra spiritual about that. He said what he meant, and he meant what he said. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jesus and, was not and a then chef. prayer, which is just, words. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, well, you know, I don't think we have time to mince words, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, Jesus, not anymore. You know, Paul didn't think he had time to mince words. And and Paul was 2000 years ago. Yeah. So this has been going on for 2000 years. Um, Robert Murray McShane didn't think he had time to mince words and he died before he was 30. Well, in essence, that's true. I mean, every day there's some, what is it? I think it's 150,000 people uh, pass into eternity every day. That's about one every five seconds. Yeah, we don't have time to be be fancy-footing and to be dancing around this issue. Uh, Everybody that we have that we're in touch with, it may be the last time that we ever see them alive. Yeah, you know, we've got we have a responsibility to love our neighbors and yeah. to offer them salvation. If we don't do that, we're not loving our neighbor. That's right. Yeah, that that is precisely the point of Jesus' parable, was it not? Yeah, because because you look at you look at the poor fellow that was robbed on the road to Jericho, and now look at the people who went past him. The first one that went past was a priest. And the other one that went past, well, he was a Levitical priest. Yeah. Right. And then who came along? Samaritan. For the Jews, a hated race. Yeah. 
I mean, in, in today's yeah, context... Was, he's the guy who took care of him and provided for his needs. In today's context, that would be like if a Muslim imam did it. Yeah. Like, as far as, like, how serious, you know, how much of an oh-snap moment that it would have, it must have been to the the listeners when Jesus said, oh yeah, this Samaritan came along and did it. You know, that was, that was a filthy word. Yeah. So stop trying to justify yourself about who your neighbor is and who you're supposed to go out to, folks. Yeah. You know. Well said. <coughs> you know, I'm not. I'm not saying, by the way, that it's always time to preach the gospel. Um, there are times where you have to be doing other things. If you have a job, do your job to the glory of God. But yes. you got two 15-minute breaks if you're like most of us. And and if you're just sitting there having coffee with your cohorts in, in the lunchroom, um, I don't know about you, but I can engineer a conversation so that topics come up. <laughs> You know, I, yeah. I mean, it, it, maybe it's a gift, but I, I think I learned this. <laughs> so I agree. You know, it's a I fine, agree. I mean, it's a sweet science to be able to do that. Uh, kinda. Yeah, there, there is an art to it. I'll admit, but um, I, I got to tell you, uh, it's not hard to engineer the direction of a conversation. No, yeah, it's especially not. not if you've got in the back of your mind the prayer going on all the time. Lord, help me share the gospel with this individual. Help me to show them your love. Help me to show them your compassion for them. Help me to show that Jesus died for their sin. Help me to show that he can answer all of their problems and help them to go through it. And it, it's we're not limited just to our uh, our time at work or, or to our, yeah. uh, our employees. We get gas someplace. Uh, we, if, if we have the money, we go out to lunch uh, uh, upon occasion, and we're eating lunch with people that we don't normally associate with. We go to the grocery store. I had a wonderful time in the grocery store uh, past week. Um, I had my gospel tracts. The Million Dollar uh, Living Waters uh, gospel tract is my favorite, and I keep that with me all the time. Um, I gave one out to this uh, one woman who is you know, waiting in line just like me. And I, I started a conversation and I got through the whole gospel. Well, you know, while my meat is still getting cut and my cheese is still getting cut, we got the gospel. And then this other woman, she comes walking up to me, looking at me like it with expectation. I'm next. And so I give her the gospel too. And it's I'm funny like, when that happens. Yeah, my meat is still getting cut, and and it's all back packaged, and, and I'm done, and I, and I ask her, I says, does this concern you? And she says, yeah. I says, well, this is something you that you want to seek now, and she says, yeah. There you are. And I prayed for her right there, and what a wonderful thing. You know, just being ready wherever you are, being yeah. prepared. Yeah, Amen. Yeah, to have a, a a good a good solid like solitary prayer life, you know, that communion with with the Lord every day, to to pray for opportunities like that, you know, because yeah. for many years I was I was caught between home and work, and work, <clears throat> my jobs are generally very uh, very much prohibiting of any kind of religious conversation like under any circumstances even during the breaks because all it would take is somebody to complain and suddenly I, you know I get in trouble so mm -hmm. you know even even cleverly engineering the conversations for many years has been uh like it's one of those things where like they as soon as they figure up figure out the jig is up it's like okay Willie's talking about religion again let's you know let's get him so unfortunately you know I've I had that challenge for many years and I know I'm not alone because you know, I talk to a lot of people around me, where you know they are completely forbidden, you know, even to the point of being threatened with termination. And so, you know, and then home, okay, well, my, you know, you know, I got my family, you know, they, they, you know, they're constantly being discipled by me and stuff, and uh, you know, then pretty much aside from that, it's church. Okay, you know, you disciple people at church, and you know, you look for the you look for the visitors, but it's like, okay, well, what about the rest of the week? 
You know, so for me, right. and for a lot of people like me, um, you know, I had to be very deliberate. So like, okay, it's my day off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just pick a place. You know, from from this time to this time each week, I'm gonna go to this place, and I'm gonna just be very deliberate and you know, and sharing the gospel. Yeah. You know? And so, I mean, for the people who have the ability to have everyday conversations, like what you were just sharing with us, Jim, <coughs> you know, that yeah. is that is so amazing, and I'm I'm I, I praise God for people who take advantage of of the everyday conversation abilities because I I generally don't, you know, I I generally have to be very deliberate. You know, and for people who do a good job with being deliberate, praise God for them too. You know, because just matters that we get out there and do it. You know. Yeah, amen. Well, well, I, I tell you, I've walked both sides of that street uh, for a number of years. I had difficulty just sharing my faith with anybody, um, not because I was ashamed of it, but because um, I'm kind of a private person sometimes, and I have difficulty sharing things that impact me emotionally. And it took me a while to figure out how to actually say words that meant things to people uh, rather than just uh, word salad and random garbage spewing out of my mouth called verbal diarrhea. You get the idea, <laughs> you know, um, you know, it, it, and listen, that, that's hard to do now because the Lord, I think, has made it very clear to me that I am to preach the word, whether it is convenient or whether it is inconvenient. You know, I need to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all patience. The word there is actually long-suffering. Long-suffering, yeah. Or if you like, meekness. <laughs> and doctrine. That's a great word. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people think meekness <clears throat> means weakness. No, it does not. It actually means strength under perfect control. Yes. And if you think right. about it, that's Jesus. You think about what it, Frank Clydesdale uh, uh, pulling a uh, 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 a hoe, you know, yeah. uh, for the uh, plowing the fields, and you got the farmer walking behind him. And all he's got is these reins, and he has all of this power of this animal. And with a slight pull of the wrist, he can make this animal go whatever direction he wants to go. That's meekness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And and I think that's what he does uh, in our lives over time. It, you know, we've been chatting back and forth for oh, a couple of months now about trials and tribulations, Jim, uh, just over yep. Facebook. Um, and and you, you asked me a question, uh, you know, uh, is this really, you know, God speaking? And why does God allow trials? And, and I know you're asking sort of, uh, 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 rhetorically, I guess, because you already kind of know the answer, but trials are normal for Christians, people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, these, these are not these are not surprise events. You know, the the Lord He sees them, and before they happen to us, He approves them, and He sets boundaries for them. And he says to the enemy who implements them, this far and no farther. And if you try to exceed it, woe to you. So Make, you, know, makes you, me think, you see that all over the book of Job, right? Yeah. I, I was going to mention that. Yeah, exactly. You were, you were almost exactly quoting it word for word. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I, believe it or not, I wasn't trying. <laughs> you know, but anything we go through here on earth, is father approved. Now that oh, should put well a bit said. of a different perspective on trouble and tribulation and trial for us. Because that means it's part of his plan. And it has a purpose. That purpose is also part of our salvation. Be, be, let me be, be very clear. I was saved in 1985. I will always be saved. I am now a child of God. I was justified before God. That was my spirit. It was made alive. And I am now a whole person. Thank you very much, because yeah. it was dead before. Now what I am talking about is what Peter calls the salvation of your souls. Sanctification. 
Mm-hmm. The process by which God makes us holy so that we may enter into his presence and see him. That's not preached much in churches nowadays. Well, you haven't been to my church lately. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said much. You know. Shucks. And I, you, <laughs> you're, you're a couple of miles away. You're out uh, of range of the Sunday drive. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have my passport. Right. It's not taught. <laughs> You know, it, 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 a lot of places it's, it's, uh, you know, you need to go, you need to be a good person. Um, and you need to, you know, do good things. And, you know, if you're good enough, God will let you into heaven because he loves your effort. And that's not oh. true at all. And, the, and, and if you're a minister, then you're guaranteed. Um, yeah, no, that ain't <laughs> happening either. You know, not even Paul could say that. Yeah. Even what? Paul said, listen, unless you disqualified. <laughs> Paul said that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, the preacher of preachers, the guy Spurgeon looked up to, <laughs> he didn't think it was a sure thing. So, uh, you know, uh, the, the whole business of justification moves onward to sanctification, has to move onward to glorification. Did you guys know self, uh, Christianity is unique and that it actually teaches the salvation of the body at a certain point? Yeah. Well, well on Earth? 5.23 says that you be sanctified spirit, soul, and body. body. You know, God is, God is three in one. We are also three in one, spiritual yep. body. We are created in his image, are we not? Yep. You know, so that being the case, we need to submit to God's will when bad stuff happens in our lives. Because that's part of God's plan for making us holy. And I think just straight up, one of the things that he's doing there is he's giving us an opportunity to practice our response so that we can be like Christ. Does that make sense? Wow. Yeah. yeah. And as far as just as far they... as the salvation of the body, I mean, you know, the fruit of the spirit being, you know, one of the fruits of the spirit being self-control, you know, obviously like if you have self-control, well you're not going to be sleeping around, you know, giving getting all sorts of diseases. You know, you're not going to be right. drinking yeah. excessively, destroying your liver, uh, you know, or drunk driving and Careful. killing Some yourself. Some of us used to have that problem, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just that right there, you know, you're gonna you're gonna wish to honor your body, you know, being yeah. that it's the temple of the Lord. So yeah, I mean, you know, I can see I can see where you're coming from as far as that goes, for sure. You know, because you know there is just there is a benefit, like a physical benefit to living a a, a, a righteous life. Yeah. There really is. Yeah, Jesus says uh, that uh, his burden is light. His yoke is easy. You know, the righteous, there's so many people who, who find righteousness such hard labor. Jesus says, come to me, you who labor, who are downtrodden, who are weary. Come to me. I will give you rest. The rest that Jesus gives us is his righteousness. Oh, a righteous lifestyle is, is, a, is a God-given blessing Amen. upon blessing. His lifestyle is easy. It's not hard work at all. In fact, it's like the, if you could think of something that's the absolute opposite of hard work, it's that. Yeah. You know, Jim, you make a great point, um, and I, I'm going to take the time here to define the difference between a good point and a great point. A good point is one that is true based on Scripture. A great point, at least for me, is one that I've preached on recently, and there's video on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so, so does this mean that there's going to be a YouTube uh, sermon of that, that point soon? Uh, it's already up on YouTube. I think I may have shared it on the Berean Nation page. 
one of the things that oh, these wonderful. multiple illnesses has affected is my memory, so you'd have to go and look and check it up on me. I, I, I just don't remember, but I think I did, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's there you either have it, on their sure well, check it out. Is rest, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually one of the more clear Gospels I've given recently, too, so. Oh, praise God for that. It's so, woven with a little bit of my testimony, so, yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll give you kind of the abbreviated version. Uh, I was born in a place called Kenora, Ontario. Uh, it's in the same province of Ottawa where I live now, but it's the exact opposite end. Uh, Ottawa's on the Quebec border. Kenora's on the Manitoba border. So uh, I grew up there, and I came to school here, and I liked it, so I stuck around kind of thing. But um, I was born there, and my dad... Um, I still, you know, I love him. I remember him well. Um, but, uh, he was an angry guy and I sometimes wore his anger, um, in the, the form of black eyes or bruised ribs or, you know, bruised butt, whatever, you know, depends where his foot or his fist would connect. Um, in fact, uh, to give you the kind of picture, uh, that, of what I grew up like, uh, I would, there was an incident. I remember I came around out of my bedroom, the corner of the, uh, my bedroom in the kitchen where the refrigerator was. And I walked straight into his fist. Oh, and I, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, I kinda, I, I think I may have lost consciousness for a second or so. It's one of those flash knockout situations. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of shook my head and I'm, you know, what, what, what happened? What happened? And he's standing over me, bouncing up and down with his fists balled. And he says, I'm sorry, kid. I had to do that. And then he pointed at my sister, who had very wisely put the table between her and him. So I didn't hit her. Yeah, that's how I grew up. Now, fortunately, he was a truck driver, and he wasn't around all the time. Um, that's both a blessing and a curse. Anybody with absentee father syndrome can tell you there's a curse involved also. But, um, you know, it left me alone to do as I pleased. And I pleased to do a lot of cool, fun stuff. Talk about here that I should probably never talk about. <laughs> uh, not because it was all that bad, but because the details aren't particularly edifying. Um, but you know, I, uh, because, because of my pain, I, I also got very angry. Only I got angry differently than my dad. My dad lashed out at people. I internalized all my anger. So I drank and I drank at my dad. (laughs) Um, and that all kind of was where I was, where I was at about a month before I got saved. I was walking over a, there's a footbridge overpass. At the time, it was wide open, and it ran over the train yards in Kenora. And I climbed up on the rail, and for the next 30 seconds, if a train had come along, we might not be having this conversation. Wow. Yeah. That's how bad I felt. I just didn't want to hurt anymore. And then I came to my senses and I said, what am I doing? And I got down and I went on with the rest of my day. And I actually even forgot about it for a little while. And then the night I got saved happened. And uh, I go back to that. I was saved and it's kind of difficult to explain what happened next because a lot of stuff happened. And in just a half a second or so. It's like God sort of lifted things one at a time from me. And he let me see what he was taking away. And he was taking away all of the things that had made me feel like I had to end my own life. You know, and and that was, you know, uh, you know, that was a a thing with a girl, you know. Sorry, guys. Um, You know, I know it's, it's complicated, especially if you're a teenager. Um, your emotions are overcharged with the hormones that are coursing through your uh, body biologically, and I understand that because that's my university degree. And and I got to tell you, it's not worth taking your own life. You gotta you gotta stand 
up to yourself and not harm yourself. That that's all I got to say on that. Uh, and it's a lesson that I've had to repeat verbally because I have a suicidal daughter. So, oh dear. Yeah, it's you know uh, we talked about trials. I'm not without them. Yeah. But you know uh, that's that's when I got saved, and and I'd like to tell you that everything was great since then. But you know that's not true either. Uh, I got saved. I went to university and I backslid. Now there are people who say, "Are you sure you were saved then?" Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was saved then. Uh, I just didn't want to obey the Lord. I wanted to do my thing and have a good time. And that was the dumbest thing I ever did. <laughs> Had a lot of fun. Wasn't worth a thing. And, you know, I uh, I kind of, I was sitting at a party one night. I had my own case of beer. It was full when I got there. And when I had this particular thought, probably about four hours into the party, the case was empty. Case of beer in Canada is 24, just so you know. For those of you who do math in your head, that means I had drunk 23 beer. Uh, and we co- we called that a slow night. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I, uh, I'm i diabetic now, and uh, I, I, uh, I regret those things because I killed my pancreas. <laughs> you know, and now I have to give myself two needles a day. So, listen, guys, it's really not worth it, is it? Nope. And, and, and I know somebody once asked me, uh, are there things that I would have, if I could go back, would I do them differently? Uh, if I could, I think I would have quit drinking a lot sooner. <laughs> I think I would have tried to yield to God much earlier. Because the mess that I had that I called a life was no life at all and then i learned a secret it's not so secret really it's in galatians chapter 2 verse 20 it says for i have been crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ lives in me and the life that i now live i live by literally the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me I don't have enough faith. You don't need any. Borrow his. There you go. Yeah. The, the faith that we have is actually it comes from him. Yeah, it does. For it you does. are saved by grace through faith. And that, and that not, not of yourselves. Yeah. It is the gift of God so that no one may boast. Yeah, God would never expect us to do something without equipping us with everything that we need for the job. You know, if you need um, faith, yeah. he's going to give it to you. If you need repentance, he's going to grant it to you. You know? Uh, that That's the way of looking at it. Yeah. It really wow. is. You know, it's, like, it's like, hey, Jim, I need you to go up. I need you to go visit Jerry in Canada. Here's some money for your passport, and here's some gas. You know, like, you know, do you need a rental car? Hey, I got it for you. You know, I wouldn't just say, yeah. Jim, go, you know, go drive six and a half hours. You know, just take whatever, you, you know, use whatever you got and make it work. No, I mean, if I if I have a task for them, I'm going to say, here's the tools for it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, by the way, Jim, if you are coming, uh, give me give me a call a couple of days before so I can have the kids clean the house, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the same boat, too. You want to come down, give you a little notice. <laughs> we'll just make them stall at customs, that's all. <laughs> oh no! You, you don't want to. You don't want to mess with those guys. They they mean business. Those guys. I know they, they have do. a tough job. So I, you know, I, I'm I'm a fan of those customs shows. So I, uh, I've seen some of the guys get stalled to the customs. I, I, uh, I feel bad for the guards sometimes. It's like, how, how can you tell lies like that? Really? Come on. Yeah. It's easy. I mean, I I've done the same things. You know, I, I, that's one, that's one area that I'm, uh, man, my tongue is just terrible. You know, my tongue, I mean, most of the times it's okay, but when I have to, uh, cover my own rear end, that's when, when I really feel, uh, the temptation. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. So, uh, what is your life lying? is a very present help in time of trouble. Wait, no, that it doesn't say that. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, I was going to say, yay, I'm all right then. <laughs> yay, we got scriptural justification for it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. In fact, uh, it says at the end of the book, where liars go. Yes. So, so I don't want to be one of those guys. You know, uh, I was a liar for a long time. I don't want to do that anymore. I have the truth. I'd rather just tell it. Right. And and that and that is the righteousness of Christ. It's an easy lifestyle because you yeah. have to remember what you tell who and when and why. And the truth is the truth, and that's uh, <laughs> that's enough. Um, so, yeah. what's your life? What does your life look like now? Well, uh, you know, I, I mentioned before. Look, I, I still have my share of trials and problems. Uh, I mentioned I have a daughter that has tried to hurt herself uh, more than once. I stopped counting at eight. Um, mm. Most recently, it was uh, just before Christmas, and uh, she swallowed all of her uh, medication. So oh, we dear. took her to the hospital, you know, nine one one. Uh, the police uh, and the ambulance showed up. They got her to the hospital. The hospital saved her life. And uh, she's physically okay now, but, you know, pray for my daughter because her name, name is Ian. You heard me. So let me ask, how does a Christian man respond to a family member when they are uh, identify as a sinner. <laughs> it's something that's certainly easier said than done. Yeah. You know, um, because I've seen the effects of how the so-called church has responded, uh, the effects of their response it's alienated people that we should be helping and it's, it's driven people away that need to hear the message mm. to the point where they have, they hear you're a Christian and the, and the walls go up like right now and they're thick walls. Right. Yeah. And, and you have to really chip away at them to get in sometimes. And that's the way it is with my daughter. Oh man! Yeah, you know, Jesus and, and is more of an you, idea than this, this. This girl who is sixteen years old was baptized at the age of eleven, having professed salvation, and not to me, to the deacons at large at our church. So look, trials happen. How do you respond? Is the issue? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I could just kick her out of my house. That'd be very easy. Keep my home pure. Is that what Jesus would do? Really? Really? <laughs> because we talked about the good Samaritan. And who is my neighbor? Even that Samaritan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly your Samaritan. own daughter is. You know, I, I'm not saying this to be heavy. I'm trying to say this to be practical. Look. Uh, you want to talk about having a hard time and I just can't do it. You know what? You don't have to. <laughs> remember remember Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Yeah. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I. But Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah, that's the whole point of the book of Galatians. Yeah. That's the whole point of the gospel. <coughs> yep. Galatians yeah, that's... 1 4. He gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins because he loved us. Yep. That's the whole gospel. <laughs> yeah. Now, what would you say to the Christians saying that, well, if God loved us, he would not be putting us through that? Okay, then I would probably, now this is where my pastor's heart comes out a little bit, because, you know, I understand. I don't want to go through them particularly either, okay? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with asking the Lord to be yeah. merciful on you. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I certainly don't think so. And, and, and the Lord in his mercy will 
you know, give us the, the grace to face the issue, whatever the issue is. But uh, my pastor's heart would really want to find out from them, what has got you so tied up in knots that you don't want to face? Mm. And maybe they'll tell me and maybe they won't. But, you know, if you're, if you're looking for the quick pat answer, the quick pat answer is, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, God, God doesn't hate us. And he doesn't inflict his people with pain because he's some kind of masochist. This is part of his plan to sanctify us and to make us holy so that we can see him when he returns. You know, it talks about the holiness in scripture without which no one will see the Lord. And if you are not willing to be made holy, then you are telling God you are not willing to see him. And you also refuse to be the the clay in the potter's hand. Yeah. It's a, it's actually a, a perfectly related concept. You know, Jeremiah talks about it, Isaiah talks about it, Ezekiel talks about it. Uh interestingly uh, and Paul talks about it quoting one of them uh about how the clay does not have the right to tell the potter, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't get to say that. No. God, by definition, is right. And this, I think, is the result of this uh, moral relativism and subjectivism that has entered school curricula over the last 40 years that has really turned the world of logic on its ear, certainly. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> straw man, ad hominem, what can I say? Uh, no, true Scotsman. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's our favorite. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I was talking with a buddy last night. We, and he actually uses the straw man argument in a crafted kind of a way as a manager. Really? To get his team working together on an issue that they may not like. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> These That's things smart. are well known. You know, Christians don't have to be idiots. Yeah. (laughs) Sadly, a lot of us are. (laughs) You know, and and that's something that I'd like to change personally. You know, and I think it's just because they're not taught. And, And, you know, I'm not saying that's necessarily the fault of their pastor. Because, you know, there are people who are, uh, they've sat, they've sat under the ministry at the place where I fellowship for a long time. And they have seen no benefit, but they come into the room going, wow, today's sermon's going to suck, I bet. Well, if you have that attitude, yeah, it is. Yeah. Right. That's and, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Be make it better. <laughs> a lot of going to depend on your attitude. And, and when it comes down to it, that's the only thing you can really control, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why don't you try to control that and learn and become better? and be sanctified and made holy so that you can see God. Because I don't believe this is about going to heaven and playing harps on a cloud. (laughs) No way. (laughs) As you serve him here, so will you serve him there. Although the cool thing is about heaven is that the three of us will be out of a job. (laughs) I don't know. Well, you know, being evangelist, you know, we'll be out of a job. Oh no, no, no. The job the job description will change slightly. Yeah. Instead of preaching the word for the conversion of souls, now we will preach the word for the confirmation of souls. Do you get the difference? Oh yeah, definitely. I, much you know, better. So 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 instead of publicly worshiping to a bunch of idiots who don't want to listen, we will publicly worship to everybody who knows the truth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we can all do it together. That yeah. sounds like a really good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to finish out time, right? <laughs> I guess so. But speaking of time, we, we are actually, we're kind of, kind of getting to that point to wrap up. Uh, uh, for the, for those of us, for those uh, who are listening, who would like to contact you, uh, what would be the best way to do so? Uh, well, you know, uh, I don't know. Can I give my email out? Whatever I, you're I... comfortable with. Okay. Um, 
Uh, I have a specific email that I use as a pastor, and it's pastor or pastore, the Latin word for pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R-E, Jer, G-E-R, at outlook.com. And I'll get that on my cell phone. So That's okay. neat. I like that. Yeah. And so just call me Pastor Jer at outlook.com, but pastor is Latin. Do you guys know what the Latin word pastore means? Pastore, that's that's like a food, isn't it? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Latin word for shepherd. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking cannoli, but there you go. That's how much much Latin I know. (laughs) Yeah, and and I guess you you know about the website, BereanNation.com. I mean... Uh, it's important to study the scriptures daily to see if things are so. There's a lot of things that people say it's just so. Well, is it just so? Let me see. I got to look in the scriptures. So, yep, yep. Amen. Well, Jerry, if if you would uh, if you would like to pray for our audience, uh, that will actually finish out the show. Fair enough. Uh, if that's the case, then let us pray. All right, Heavenly Father. We thank you for these men who have uh, made their own podcast to reach the lost and to encourage their fellow believers. Lord, I want to commit them into your hands for this year of 2018, right now at the start of it, asking that you would use them mightily to encourage the church and to reach those who have yet to be reached with the great news of Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to commit into your hands their ministry and them themselves that you would use them as instruments of righteousness and make them a community of light and life here in the greater world community of death and darkness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jerry, thank you so much. It was a a great pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, it was my pleasure to be here. I mean, you know, I'm looking at the list of questions you all gave me and I don't think we hit a half of them. <laughs> no, that's the fun of it. That's the fun of it. Well, thank you for listening to the Set the Captives Free Ministries podcast. To write to us or to send a donation by mail, our mailing address is P.O. Box 467, Modena, New York, 12548. You can give us a call at 855-704-7247. Or you can email us at wneedham at scfministry.com. Be sure to sign up for the weekly newsletter that's delivered right to your email inbox at www.scfministry.com. Thank you all for listening, and God bless.